Hello and welcome to today's show. I am so excited because today we have an all-star lineup. That's right. I am bringing back the very best. That's right. The best studio owner insights on Rewind. Now, this is part two of a two-part series. Now, before I introduce you to the four all-star studio owners that are featured in this episode, I want to remind you that Talent Manager Bootcamp, my course, is opening soon and the waitlist is open now. So Talent Manager Bootcamp will take you from studio owner to talent manager by giving you the industry insights and really giving you the theoretical and practical knowledge you need to create your own in-house talent management service. So you could be submitting your students for work in film, TV, commercial, theatre and more. It's, you know, it's, it sounds like a dream, but it's totally possible. I can show you how you could go from studio owner to talent manager in eight weeks with my course. And I'd love that for you. I'd love you to increase your industry credibility, your student retention and your revenue, right? Because making more money is a great thing in business. So I can help you do that through talent manager bootcamp. The wait list is open now and I suggest you jump on so that you don't miss it because, um, Doors are only open for a few days and then they close, okay? So they're open on September 13th. Don't miss the call out. You will be the first to know on the wait list of how you can get in and also grab some bonuses as well if you're on that wait list. So head to josephinelancuber.com forward slash TMB and I'll pop that link in the show notes. Okay, let me introduce you to the four all-star studio owners for this episode. So firstly, we have Donna Han. Now, Donna Han is a former studio owner who successfully sold her business in a regional town. She's now a business strategist and coach and the owner and creator of She's in Business. Next, we'll have Claire O'Shea. Now, Claire is a beautiful studio owner of over 10 years and the owner of Assemble Dance Studio Coaching. Lots of goodies there about automation, systemizing, and all that jazz. We next will have Simone Lindis Cadell. Now, Simone, I love Simone. She's a dear friend of mine. I was just chatting to her this week on the phone. Um, look, she's the owner of Tiny Tutus. She has over a hundred sites across Australia. That's a lot of preschoolers. That's a lot of babies, but she does it and she's going to share with you some of her insights as well. We then have Tanya Khan. Tanya is the creator of B Street Crew and is passionate about boys dance. So let's kick off with the show. Enjoy. Hey there, I'm Josephine Lancuba and you're listening to Business Arts and All That Jazz. I've been immersed in the creative business world and performing arts industry for over 20 years. I know from experience that being an artist, a creative or running a creative business can be a tough gig, but I'm here to tell you it's possible. I went from having zero dollars to my name and living below the poverty line, to then living paycheck to paycheck, to finally living a life of comfort, happiness, passion, and even stability. In this podcast, I peel back the curtain and share with you the ups and downs of my journey. Plus, I tap into the minds of creative industry experts to discover their paths to success. I know you have a spark inside of you, that little voice that tells you to reach for the stars. I want to help you step into your limelight to have the courage to live a life you dream of, a life that you design. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk business, arts, and all that jazz. 
I would love to kick off the show with my first Rewind guest, Donna Han. So I always wanted to be in a position to sell it at that point, which is where all the systemization, which I love that um, that's probably something that I'm sure you teach within your program, Joe, mm. is systemization because that really is what makes your business saleable. Um, so all of that was in place. And so um, what I did was I was getting the business ready to sell, but to be honest, I wasn't thinking I would sell at the time that I did. So in 2020, we'd done all of our, um, you know, timetabling for the next year. Staffing had been all sorted out. It was December, so I was in Brizzy for a business um, conference thing, and I got a phone call from a person who was checking a reference for my main lead teacher who was teaching like 80% of classes. And yeah. by this stage, I'd taken myself out of teaching, so I wasn't teaching any classes at all. So it was one of those phone calls where you're like, oh, everything's ready for the year. I was just ready to wind down for Christmas. And now it looks as though my main teacher is looking for a full-time job, which I can't offer her. And I'm going to have to step back into teaching or pull a, a rabbit out of a hat. Mm. And so, you know, as I said, it's really thin on the ground for teachers in regional areas. So it was pretty stressful. Um and so I thought, what am I going to do? And I was down in Brisbane with actually one of our friends, Stacey Hughes, who's also in Tina's program. I was yes, down there for, for a um, business thing with Tina and her group. And she's like, well, why don't you offer it to her? And I was like, well, yeah, but she's only 21. I don't think she would get a loan. I don't think she has enough capital knowing a little bit about her personal family life, I don't think her family has the money to be able to do that. I don't know if that would work. Um, but I'd also heard about vendor finance. I don't know if you've heard of that. Tell me about it. So vendor finance is where you essentially, as the business owner who is selling, becomes the bank. So oh, you yeah. have a special agreement in place where yeah. over time they pay you out of the profits of the business. So Basically, yeah, you're buying a business with, with no money down. Yes, yeah. yeah, or something. Or to some that. money, but not yet. Yeah. yeah. So it's a payment plan, an agreement. Yes, I've yeah, heard about between, that. I didn't, I didn't um, hear it in that. Um, how did you describe it? Vendor? Vendor finance. Vendor called. finance. Okay, amazing. Yeah. Okay. yeah, so I'd heard about that and I did a bit of a digging around about, okay, how would that work? And I thought, you know what, bugger it, I'm just going to call her and say, Let's have a chat. So I think I was in Queen Street Mall. It was very like off the cuff kind of decision. And I'm like, hey, I just got a call about <laughs> a reference. She was like, oh, my God, I was going to tell you about that, but I hadn't had the chance to. I'm like, it's cool. But this is what I'm thinking. Would you be interested in purchasing the dance studio? And it just took her completely by surprise. But I kind of like just on the spot said to her, you know, this is the income. This is the profit margin. This is the sort of lifestyle that you could expect to lead from that and kind of just was really transparent over the phone to give her the, I guess, the opportunity to really think it through. And then from that point, we made a um, decision to have a meeting about it. In the meantime, I'd contacted a lawyer. She'd given me some advice around, you know, putting together a bit of a, um, it was called a heads of agreement, which is basically you know, you have your standard contract of sale, which is very, very much like when you buy a house, it's kind yeah. of, you know, 
pretty black and white. It's very the same for everybody. But your heads of agreement kind of goes into more about the clauses, special conditions, the buyout term plan, all of that kind of stuff. So what we agreed on was that um, being, as I said, she was very young. She didn't have a lot of capital behind her. And I knew she wouldn't be successful in applying for a bank loan. She didn't have a car loan, let alone, you know, any history to kind of for the bank to go, yep, we'll give you, (laughs) you know, lots of thousands of dollars. Um, And so, what we did was I said to her, so now we're in December, classes start again the end of January. I don't feel that that's really fair to expect you to jump in and take this business on. You know, we're closed. So how can I train you up when there's no business to yes, train you up in right now? Fine. So what we agreed on is that um, she would pay me a deposit for the business over that 12 months, the next 12 months, so essentially 2021. Mm-hmm. And I would mentor her throughout that entire year where she would work one-on-one with me behind the scenes. No one would know about it. It was very, very confidential. And she learned all the back end of the business. Um, She was also teaching, as I said, 80% of the classes anyway at that stage. So it just was an opportunity for her to really get into the nuts and bolts of the business that previously she was unaware of just being a teacher and not being involved in admin at all. Um, And it gave me the confidence that she would be able to run the studio and make a profit from it and then pay me the year after. So it was a really long process in that the first 12 months was um, her paying me a deposit and me training her up. And then this year, 2020, I'm completely hands off. Um, And she's paying me quarterly from the profits of the business. And by the end of the year, I'll have, you know, the full amount that we've agreed upon. Um, But for me, that was a safe way to ensure that I would get my money at the end of, you know, 2020, because I'd spent the 12 months training. 2022? Two, sorry, 2022. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's a long drawn You're still at the beginning of the pandemic, Donna. (laughs) Yeah, I am, sorry. You know, those two years... Uh, Just a bit of a blip. Next up, we have the amazing Claire O'Shea. Enjoy the rewind. Now, most studio owners, you know, just run their studio as their core business, which is, you know, a wonderful thing. But you and I are different species, right? So Mm. we do lots of varied projects and and businesses um, that all intertwine with each other. And they all, it's not like you're running a cafe, you know, or maybe you are, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But um, tell me, you know, why do you choose to have so many moving parts in your business and so many different projects on the go? What's the thought process behind that? (laughs) Part of me is always worried that it's not something wrong with me, but like that there's something in my personality that like I just can't settle. I'm always Mm. looking for what's next, what could I do, what's a new challenge. And like I've had these serious conversations with my husband being like, like I'm really happy, but I said to him like, is it because do I not feel like fulfilled in one particular, like is this what I'm, and I honestly at the end of the day I think that, I have an entrepreneurial spirit and I think even if it wasn't in the dance studio, say say I was a cafe owner, I think I would own a cafe plus import coffee beans plus do, you know, I think that I would always, I don't know, I just, I'm just a busy person and my brain is just doesn't want to settle. And so yeah. um, I'm, I'm always looking for a new challenge even when my schedule is 
potentially too full. Um, but then again, I, I don't also have, I really enjoy delegating and training team members. So I'm able to do that where some people don't like having a team around them or they don't feel potentially they have the right team. And so it's just not a possibility. So I guess, again, it just depends on what, who you have around you to be able to fit these things in your day or financially as well. Yeah. And I was going to ask you that because with so many moving parts, you know, it is important to have a team around you and having that delegation piece is key really, isn't it? To making it work. How do you find the, like you mentioned the right team. How do you find the right team members? So in terms of delegation as well, like obviously it's been a, a, a journey for me. Like, again, I'm nearly 10 years into owning my studio. So pretty early on, I realized that, um, you know, if I wanted to grow at a, a, a significant rate, I would need to have um, people around me. And I honestly, at the end of the day, I get bored by doing things over and over and over again. And I also get bored telling people how to do them over and over and over again. So being exposed to systems and processes and how to really um, clarify them in the back end of my business was something I started really early on. And even when I didn't have um, people helping me, but it was something that I sort of I don't know if I had the foresight or whether I just knew like I really wanted to bring someone on. That was my next goal. And so then I sort of slowly just added one person. You know, I had someone who helped me with the books and then I had another teacher and, you know, I would review how she taught and, you know, I would take on um, things that she did that I would like and I would give her information that I like to teach in a way that sort of fit the culture of my studio. So, you know, I have really clear systems and foundations and processes in all areas of my business. And then from there, it's been a journey, I hate using the word journey, but it has again been a step-by-step of just identifying kind of, I guess, talent that has come through my business, whether they be through teaching um, or whether, again, I my first, my now office manager, I hired her as a teacher, but really quickly it kind of came clear that she you know, her passion maybe wasn't in the education side, but she really enjoyed being involved still with education, but in more of an administerial kind of role. And then um, my current studio manager, she started with me as a relief teacher when she was 17 and she's now like built up. And um, over the pandemic, we had time to train and she has now just taken off. So it has been, you know, a slow process and it's something I've, um, you know, put time and energy and obviously money into finding the right people. And I never, I don't ever think there's like one person that can do everything. And I think that I've always been realistic. There's each individual, even for the role that they're doing has strengths and weaknesses. And I think it's being really clear on what you need them to do. And then constantly having those check-ins about, you know, what's expected of their role, um, what they like within their role. And then also even though what I might expect her to do, if it's not possible, like we need to have these sort of frank conversations. So communication. Yeah, absolutely. I want to introduce you to a studio owner from Maitland, New South Wales in Australia. Her name is Anne Coates and she recently graduated from Talent Manager Bootcamp and she's got some beautiful words to share about the course She also, within a couple of weeks, has already secured professional auditions for her students, which is just so amazing. Here she is. I really enjoyed the course. I thought um, you were just full of lots of gems and um, very warm, 
you know, I, I was a little bit concerned that it might be a little bit intimidating, but um, no, not at all. I think, and it's lovely to be part of a collective, you know, people who want to share. So I think the fact that you've even called it that, I think says a lot. I feel like we need to create a buzz in the studio. Um, we've sort of stayed a little bit stagnant for a while. Um, I feel that the energy that you inject into the course um, has transferred to me as well. I feel excited by the prospect of, of creating opportunities for the students. And when I started teaching here, I just could not believe, and it's still the case, I wonder if there's something in the water because the kids, they're hungry for opportunities. They want it and they're so um, inspired by any tiny little crumb you can give them. And I guess this is just a natural progression, you know. I wish that I'd met you 10 years ago and this had happened 10 years ago, to be honest, because I think of all the students who've come through who are extremely talented and, you know, what, what might have happened with them. My next rewind is Simone Lindis Cadell. Um, I've got written down here about 100 tiny tutu sites across Australia. Is that accurate? Yeah, that is true. It's just so beautiful. I just feel so blessed that we can share um, tiny tutus all around. We're not in Tasmania at the moment, though. Um, <laughs> what but made you expand so largely? Like what made you go all the way? Um, I think that I knew, I, I, I knew that once we'd locked down the model in Newcastle, mm. I knew that people wanted it and I knew that we could we could take this further. And I think that was that's a really interesting um, thing that I really wanted the challenge for. So the next step was obviously Sydney and we duplicated it and we met at work in Sydney, which was so cool. That was great. And then we decided to um, think about, well, how can we actually build this in Sydney? And so we actually partnered with Foxtel. We were featured on Nickelodeon and Disney Junior and it absolutely blew up. Um, we were expecting it to go big in Sydney, but it blew up around Australia. So it was almost overnight. It almost shut us down. Um, wow. The amount of inquiry that we had, we had, you know, 60 to 70 phone calls coming in per hour. We had hundreds of emails coming in per hour. And so almost overnight, it turned us national. Um, and when you have such unplanned growth, yes. uh, that's a really dangerous thing for, yes. for any for I mean, any it's a business. good problem to have, isn't it? it? Look, it is a good problem to have, but it's also, it's also a problem where it's about them being able to deliver on what you're promising. Yes. So we plan our growth much more carefully these days. And I think, you know, we're probably in about our 11th or 12th iteration of what, of what Tiny Tutus you know, mm. has evolved. But that's how, that's how we went. And now all of our expansion is, is really, it's really organic. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. I mean, your model is actually not a strange one per se, but unique in the dance space because normally um, what happens is, you know, people... Um, will license their program or they'll franchise. Mm -hmm. You haven't gone down that path, have you? you? You're actually the owner of, 
of these subsequent sites. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. They're, they're, they're all mine. Yeah. And, so. and, you know, franchising is something that, that we are definitely looking at, but mm. we've really enjoyed the space that we've been able to sit in because it's allowed us to grow our curriculum. It's very much allowed us to develop our, our programs, our mentoring within our studios, within our team. It's allowed us to, to grow in all of these different directions and it's been a really comfortable space for us. Ultimately, it really is about making sure our service delivery is beautiful across, across Australia, um, that we're actually providing beautiful um, engagement with our families, so that, that our admin staff can make sure, can make sure that everybody feels heard that's really really important so i find that very interesting actually what you just said peddling back a few moments um because you said you know your teachers will go on to open up their own studios and how beautiful that is now for anyone that's bounced around dance studio owner groups um that's actually quite a controversial (laughs) thought to be supportive of staff who want to pursue their own endeavours. What makes you have that position? Well, there's two different things here. So, I mean, if somebody um, is really open and upfront about it, and I think it, I think it's that mutual respect, yeah. it's... Um, there is a difference between somebody coming and joining us at Tiny Tutus, taking our intellectual property and the way we do things... Yeah. Um, training, taking all of that, and then trying to leave us, you know, nine months later and trying to take all the kids with us. Now, we actually have um, some caveats in our contracts about that. We actually have um, restraint of train uh, clauses, things like that, um, which which we actually enforce. So, you know, if you want to if you want to come and sort of do the wrong thing, that that's not how we play. But if somebody has been with us for a while and has has grown through the program and they've been really open and honest and we've talked and we've mentored, then that's a really beautiful thing. It's really lovely to be able to to watch them go on and, and create something magic of their own because don't you find yourself that sometimes you're just ready for a new challenge? And ultimately what I want from my teachers is the the I want them to be excited about tiny tutus and Maybe you can be excited for three, four, five years. Maybe you can be excited for more than that. But then sometimes it's ready for a change. And yes, absolutely. isn't it nice to be part of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, with so many, you know, balls in the air or, I don't know, tutus twirling, um, what is the biggest oh, challenge in running a national dance program? I imagine there must be challenges. I think that it's really important to have a really incredible team behind you because we do have a very big team at Tiny Tutus. It's not just me sitting here doing this. We have uh, we have an incredible uh, curriculum director. We have an incredible um, teacher coordinator. We have uh, we have a special projects manager. We have a a big admin team in the office. It really is about team. Um, Biggest challenge is making sure that that team is cohesive and can follow follow my vision that's probably the biggest challenge it's getting the people who want to want to be with you on the journey yeah what's your secret to finding a great team any any tips you can pass on there because team is really the most important part of delivering Um, a dance program I hate the buzzword growth mindset, but that is yep. a little bit it. You want somebody who is, you know, excited about, about what you do. 
Uh, one of the things that I say to all of my all of my admin team and teachers is that you have to love us as much as we love you, and that you're interviewing me as much as I'm interviewing you for a job. I, you know that that's a really important thing in terms of getting teachers or getting even admin staff. Mm. You can't keep me entertained on the phone for fifteen seconds. <laughs> Then it, when, when you know, I'm trying to offer you a job, then chances are you're not going to be able to, you know, do it in front of a class or speak with warmth and from the heart mm. to one of my teachers, one of my, sorry, one of our families. My final rewind for today's episode is Tanya Khan. Now, full disclosure, I loved Tanya so much after chatting with her that I actually joined her hip hop dance class program, the adult dance class program here in Sydney and three weeks in, and I'm absolutely loving it. She's so fun in the classroom. She's an absolute joy that I actually had to become a student myself. (laughs) So here we are with Tanya. I started my studio in 1990 and uh, it was, it was a whole different world back then no social media all the advertising was in the local papers or pamphlet drops or people you knew uh, but it it's been a wonderful journey um i ran the business with my ex-husband um kind of downsized um before i had my daughter and it's been an evolution ever since that as well um you know raising my daughter kind of in the studio um and then starting my boys program from you know the ground up and realizing how the dance industry and i needed to begin advocating for boys in dance so that's kind of where i i realized that there was a massive massive hole in the market for really providing good quality dance education and caring dance education for boys um yeah, and so now I'm way more into breaking in hip hop than I am into ballet. <laughs> I don't actually even offer ballet at my studio, isn't it? It is, but and yet, if you know breaking and you know hip hop, and you know that it, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, that people think they're chalk and cheese, but in actual fact, there is such an ingrained technique with ballet that mm. is uh, aids in the execution of of you know fairly flawless technique, but it's also the same in breaking where you've got to have that strength and the ability and the flexibility to mm. be able to do uh you know and, and the perseverance and determination to get some of the bigger power moves that the breakers get so yeah I'm very much more comfortable in that in that side of things now after 31 years running a studio and being in the dance space what what actually really keeps you motivated like Obviously, especially during this time, how do you keep, um, you know, positively pursuing and and growing your business? It's the kids. I love them. I just love them. And, you know, it's I love their creativity. I love their their ability to connect to, uh, to music and really, that has been that's it's saved me um 
as a person from so many instances. And it's not placing responsibility on kids to keep me happy, but it is. I love dance. I absolutely love it. I will never experience a time in my life where I'm not doing it. Even if I'm confined to a wheelchair, I'll like, I'll just, I'll do this. Wow. Um, that, that's me as the 90-year-old woman in the nursing home. I'll just be like this, <laughs> um, bopping along. But that's there, it. Yep. Yeah. So it's really my love of, of providing an opportunity for kids and really helping them to come into their own as little creative beings and also dance, just, just dance itself. Um, I absolutely love. Um, now, you mentioned earlier about your passion for boys in dance yep. um, and you've got what you call the B Street crew. Tell us about that. What is B Street crew? So I'll backtrack just quickly to how I kind of came about or came upon this. I have been teaching boys, specific boys classes for about 14 years and in that time the, the classes have grown and they've grown because there has been some special stuff that has happened in those classes along the way. And I've been very much listening and talking to the boys about what's made it work, what they enjoy. And I also um, uh, seven, eight years ago began a degree in counselling and coaching. And wow. as I was studying that degree, I did a lot of um crossover stuff. So I was actually applying a lot of those skills to my classes and realized that there was like stuff that was bubbling around like, oh, this is working really well. Um, and then kind of gravitated towards that. And in the meantime, 2016, I started Connect Boys Dance Events. Um, I felt a responsibility because I taught more so many boys. And there were so many boys isolated in their own studios that I I thought, okay, Let's do an event where we can bring boys together and not just have like a normal kind of dance convention where they have, you know, back-to-back workshops, but to have some social stuff happening because that's what I was studying and realising that building relationships and rapport with people helped connect them. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you got some great insights from those rock star studio owners Now, what I would love is for you to join me online in Talent Manager Bootcamp. So we're talking here, this course that is really going to facilitate the dreams of yourself and your students, create a buzz in your walls and provide professional performance work opportunities and so much greatness in your space. And that's what we want. We want you guys to really create your dream studio. It's totally possible. Um, the course is designed with six bite-sized, you know, pre-recorded video lessons where you can learn exactly how to manage talent, find the work, where to go, where do you actually find professional work? I'm going to show you everything in this course. There's no secrets. There's no secrets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm breaking the glass ceiling on the entertainment industry and I want you to join me. Um, aside from that pre-recorded lessons, we've also got eight live group calls with me each week for eight weeks. They're also recorded. So if you miss the live, don't worry. You can play it back in your own time. You've got 12 weeks access to the course. So three months. Honestly, I've designed this for studio owners. I know how busy you are. I want this to be as easy for you as possible. 
And I want to remove the barrier to entry for you and your students in the, in the professional entertainment world. So join me. Hit the wait list. It's josephinelanecuba.com forward slash TMB and that link is in the show notes. All right, now I'm going to leave you with some words from studio owners who have done Talent Manager Bootcamp. We've got Caitlin and Stephanie from Ignite Dance Co. and Isabella Nikodinovsky from N2 Dance Productions. Thanks, everyone. We've just finished the Talent Manager Bootcamp with Josephine Lane We found it really informative, but also super easy to follow along and to fit into our busy studio lives. Our weekly meetings with Joe were also really helpful in consolidating what we had learned in the weekly modules. And Joe made it really, really clear um, and easy to see how much it would benefit us and our studio growth. After completing the course, we now feel ready to implement and are excited for what this will bring to us in our studio. Hi there, I just wanted to jump on and share my experience in the Talent Manager Bootcamp course that I've just completed with Josephine Lancouver. Um, I think Jo's such a great personality and she's managed to fit all of her information and knowledge into some very bite-sized manageable pieces during the course. Um, each of the modules I found really exciting and I could see how we could easily implement this in our studio. Um, and also we had our weekly meetings which really consolidated everything that we had learnt in the courses. Um, I would highly recommend the course for any studio owner looking to improve and expand their current offerings in their studio. Thank you.